Crazy, amazing grace. My spiritual awakening took place when I was waiting to interview for a nanny position with the Kate Hudson family. I had to wait a long time because she was doing a rap party for a podcast episode she had done with Anthony William, the medical medium. This long wait turned out to be beneficial and necessary. The narrative is awesome and complex, but the short of it is I met the extraterrestrial terrestrial, tethered to the medical medium. The medical medium calls him spirit, but in our conversation, spirit told me he exists at the fingertip of God, but is not a spirit. He is an ET sent to earth by God to work through the medical medium to help alleviate the suffering of humanity. I call him by another name based on a symbol he wore on a rope around his neck. He claims to have no true name, but is mostly aware of being called Voice of Compassion. But for simplicity, I will refer to him as Spirit, as the medical medium does publicly. Spirit looked like a monk. Imagine a sweet, gentle, not evil Frollo from Disney's Hunchback, or a kind Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, dressed in the traditional brown robe of a monk. I thought he was just an actor playing a joke on me because here I am at a movie star's house waiting to interview for a nanny position when I find myself being told I am celestial by a guy dressed as a monk who is as incredulous as I am for what he said that he is surprised I can see and hear him. He kept asking, you can see me, you can hear me, and What are you? Me. Not who. What. Granted, I was stressed out by all this, but as I talked with him, I realized he was the real deal. Because the things he revealed to me couldn't possibly be known by anyone but an entity living at the fingertip of God, let alone a stranger playing a joke on me. The Interview I had to postpone my interview initially because of a cold. This was the time before we knew about COVID. So potentially that's what I had or was recovering from. I had just gotten back from my sister's baby shower on the East Coast. And the day before my interview, I got into a freak car crash where a woman lost control of her car and smashed into the driver's side door of my car. Thankfully, I was able to swerve, and she mostly hit the wheelbase, and I was okay. My back probably should have been broken. The woman who hit me has the same birthday as me, which I thought was very strange. Earlier that day, I had asked to be invisible from some street people. Maybe I forgot to wipe it off. Either way, I had been battling depression for a long time and realized now I had been leaving myself open to attracting negative energy. I had been in an abusive relationship with a sadistic ER doctor for over a year. I don't know why I kept going back to him. I guess it was that I thought I loved him and that he, as he claimed, loved me, 
and was so apologetic and sorry he hurt me. But it was my fault because I made him but do what he did by making him feel insecure about the fact that I kept trying to end things with him. He was the first person I tried to call after the crash, but my phone freaked out. It was just kept flashing red and green text and wouldn't dial. My back hurt and time didn't make sense. Then a tow truck showed up and they said they were from my insurance provider. Turns out he wasn't. He had been listening in on a police scanner and came to the crash site to make some money by bringing me to a collision center I had gone to the year before where the man mechanics had taken advantage of me and kept my car for 40 days. When I saw he intended to take me to the same place, I told him to take me somewhere else. I digress. I called that day to cancel my interview because I didn't know what shape I'd be in the next few days. The next morning, I felt fine and called in to reschedule. They asked if I could come in that day. I might have to wait a bit, but they felt they could squeeze me in. I calculated how long the drive would take me, finished making my smoothie, and jumped in the car. On the way, my giant cup of smoothie fell over and spilled everywhere, on my clothes and all over my mom's car, which I had borrowed. It pissed me off. I was so angry and hungry, but determined to make the interview. I had some clean clothes in the trunk. I'd recently moved back in with my parents and was practically living out of my car because I still worked in West LA and all my friends were out there too. When I arrived at the Hudson house, I was early and had time to change my clothes in the car. And being a nanny, I had baby wipes in my go bag. I took a deep breath and exited the car and walked up to the house. The housekeeper greeted me in the foyer. I smiled at her and the man standing behind her, who was dressed like a monk, and introduced myself. She said she would let Kate know I was there and asked me to take off my shoes and make myself at home in the entertainment room to my right because it might be a while until Kate was available to do the interview since she was still entertaining guests at a rap party she was hosting for the podcast's sibling revelry, which she does with her brother. The housekeeper asked if I wanted water or needed anything. I declined. Told her I had my water thermos and had brought something to read since Kate's personal assistant had warned me I might have to wait. I told her if she needed anything, I would be happy to help in the meantime. I was curious about the staff and wanted to get a feel for the household environment. The housekeeper said she was putting away Christmas decorations. She seemed a little embarrassed since it was the end of January and qualified it by saying Kate loves Christmas decorations and leaves them up as long as she can, especially since she travels a lot and usually winters in Aspen, so she doesn't get to enjoy them in her California home. She thanked me for my offer of help, but said she and another staff member were almost finished with the project, but would let me know if they needed any help. Then she turned and walked down a hallway to my left to tell Kate I was there. 
I heard her open a door and voices and laughter floated down the hallway toward me. Standing in the foyer, I looked around the grand staircase and beautiful decorations, not wanting to look like I was gawking at the luxury of the place. I shyly smiled at the priest who was still watching me with a surprised and amused look on his face, took off my shoes and walked into the entertainment room indicated to me on my right. Though I had declined water, I had forgot to ask where the restroom was so I could wash my hands and make sure I had cleaned off all remnants of the smoothie. I turned back to the foyer to see if I could catch the housekeeper and ask her where the restroom is. Only the priest was there, so I looked him in the eye and asked where the bathroom was. He responded, You can see me? What? I asked, thinking I had misheard him. You can see me. You can hear me, he repeated, looking intently at me with deeply surprised interest, as if I had sprouted a third eye or was a talking dog standing on its hind legs. Surprised myself and unnerved by his response, I stared back at him like he was crazy. He then raised his hands over his face in glee, then pointed to the hallway the housekeeper had walked down. I looked to where he pointed. It was in the same direction as the room where Kate was entertaining guests. Hesitantly, I walked over and saw a small two-door bathroom. The second door leads to a small room with just a toilet. I stopped at the sink and washed my hands. I saw a movement out of the corner of my eye and turned to look. The monk had followed me. He was in the doorway of the first door watching me, seemingly still amused and intrigued that I could see him. Shocked, I said to him, there's only room for one person in here, and shut the door between the washroom and the toilet so he couldn't follow me any further. I was so nervous, I felt nauseous and lightheaded. I stood with my head hanging over the toilet bowl, just taking deep breaths and trying not to pass out. I got my wits together, peed, and exited the toilet room. Washed my hands in the sink room and splashed some water on my face. I then glanced in the mirror, stared at my pale reflection, and shrugged. I felt frazzled and off balance, but I looked normal. I was nervous to look around the corner of the final bathroom doorway. I didn't even want to look at the doorway. I wiped my face with a cloth, took a deep breath, and turned to face the exit. Trying to not look as nervous as I felt, I moved across the threshold. I looked both ways down the hall and exited the bathroom. He wasn't around. <laughs> I released the breath I hadn't known I'd been holding and went back to sit in the entertainment room. I sat for a while in the entertainment room. I didn't know how long it would be, so I pulled out some books I had brought with me. I sat in the living room reading Care of the Soul and The Tempest for a little while. The housekeeper came back in and told me she was going to be a little longer than she had expected 
and asked me if I would like to go and feed the chickens with her. It made me happy that they had chickens. Intrigued, I said yes and stood to follow her. We crossed through another den lounge type back room towards the backyard. In that room were two women surrounded by boxes that I imagined held Christmas decorations. The housekeeper introduced me to one lady and explained that I was interviewing for her old position. We chatted a bit, and then I turned to the other woman who stood behind her and asked her what her name was. The first woman looked behind her, confused, and then turned back to me and repeated her own name. The woman behind her covered her face with her hands in delight, but remained silent. I figured there was a language barrier and decided not to push it. I was feeling weird. And now the housekeeper and former nanny were looking at me strangely. The housekeeper and I continued out into the spacious backyard. As we crossed the patio, I saw the monk standing watching us from the far edge of the patio near the steps leading down to the chicken house. I smiled politely at him and gave a little wave of my hand in acknowledgement, even though the intensity of his gaze made me a bit uneasy. The housekeeper stopped chatting and asked me who I had waved at. The monk, I responded. What monk? she asked. I looked at her bewildered. Was she kidding? We just walked right past him. Did she really not see him? I didn't know what to say, so I just dropped the subject and asked about the chickens. It was an easy enough conversation change. The housekeeper loved animals, and they had apparently lost all but one of their chickens for, for some illness recently. So she was especially nurturing and fond of the sole surviving chicken. I turned back to look at the patio and sure enough, the monk was there following us down the path to the chicken house. I felt a rush of lightheadedness, but decided to knuckle down and muscle through by ignoring the monk. I focused on the housekeeper and the chicken. Thankfully, the housekeeper liked to talk, so I didn't need to do much but listen and make appreciative noises, asking prompting questions every now and then. We fed the chicken and I circled around the chicken house admiring it and the chicken, but also kept my distance from the monk who was also circling the chicken house, watching me at 12 o'clock to my six o'clock position. I went back up to the house with the housekeeper. Again, I offered my help but the housekeeper said they were pretty much finished. She said again for me to make myself comfortable and didn't know how much longer it would be, but probably not too long, though if I'd like to reschedule, that could be arranged. I told her I didn't mind waiting a little longer since I was already there and had my books to keep me occupied. She left the room saying she'd give me an update when she got one. I sat on the couch trying to will my heart to stop racing and my mind from exploding in noiseless fireworks. My ears were ringing and my body pulsated at a deep vibration, a wom, 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 like a giant smoothly oiled turbine. I started to see stars as I got a full body rush and felt myself being pulled forward and up and pushed down into the couch at the same time. It felt similar to being on a carnival ride, the Gravitron, except it wasn't a spinning sensation. It was more 
freeing in that I was more than my body. I was rising up and feeling the limitless of my mass. My cells seemed to sing and vibrate in waves that somehow felt faster and slower at the same time. It was like a thousand times the intensity of the full body feeling when you get when falling in love. I tried to cry out, not here, not now. If I made a noise, it must have been more like an indecipherable whimper. I clung to consciousness by the hair of my teeth. Overcome with joy, I also had a deep fear that I was about to pass out or die. I didn't know which would be the end result. This feeling had happened to me before at other spiritual encounters, and it scared the shit out of me. Here I was, starving. I skipped breakfast, technically, and possibly in shock, if not physically injured from my car accident the day before. I was terrified that I would pass out, and then Kate would walk into the room for our interview and see me dead or passed out on the couch. The feeling passed after what felt like an eternity. I still felt a fuzzy vibration all over my body, but otherwise I was fine. Feeling compelled to pray, I began to pray silently in a whisper. I prayed for peace and health and worthiness, for this job and confidence to approach the interview with a clear and steady focus. It felt good. At this time in my life, I considered myself spiritual or agnostic. I really hadn't prayed except in times of angry desperation, mostly pleading with a divine source to stop ignoring me and to help me overcome all the mounting obstacles accumulating throughout my life. This was different. I was giving thanks for all that I had and for the blessings in disguise. I was experiencing. I even tried to remember some of the French prayers I had learned in Catholic school. And then I heard a voice asking if I was praying. I'd closed my eyes while I whispered my prayers. Now I opened them and I looked toward the source of the voice. It was the monk. He had come to the living room door and was again staring at me, bemused. Another rush hit my body, fear or excitement, I couldn't tell. Who was this monk? How did he hear me? Where did he come from that he could hear me? Feeling again off balance, I responded, yes, with the attitude of mind your own business implied. Undeterred, he just stood there and stared at me as if he could see through me or into me. I turned away and tried to focus on my book, trying to ignore him. And then he started spouting off my medical history on a molecular level. I had a thyroid disorder. At the time, I was going to school to get my nursing degree and was able to understand the physiology of what he was saying and knew he was talking about me. At first, I tried to continue to ignore him, but as soon as I realized he was talking about me. I turned to him and I asked him to stop and told him I found it rude and how did he know in all of that anyway? Again, he said, you can hear me? You can see me? 
beginning to get upset and feeling weird. I acknowledged that, yes, I could see and hear him as politely as possible with a what the fuck implied. He said he didn't mean to be rude. Just usually people can't see or hear him. I couldn't believe that Kate had some crazy monk running around loose in her home while she was entertaining guests. I said, he said, I didn't expect to meet you. What are you? Are you here to speak with Antony? I told him I didn't know who Antony was and that I was here to interview for the nanny position. Again, he asked, what are you? Confused, I responded, I'm Swedish, Irish, French, and a little bit German. He said that's not what he meant. And again, he asked, what are you? I said, my name is Libby. He smiled, Lilibet, like the queen. I didn't understand his reference. He said he only knew it from watching The Crown with Antony. I told him I hadn't seen the show and didn't know Antony. Again, he asked what I am because the fact that I could see him meant I was definitely more than human. Gulp. What? He said he thought I must be a celestial heritage. Perhaps wheels and thrones or cherubim brushing it off as if it was just some crazy actor gone method dressed up as a monk at Kate Hudson's house I decided sure why not talk to the guy seems like I'll be waiting a while and he's not going away so why not have a conversation I tried turning the subject to him and asked him who he was he said I am known by many names over the ages, but have no specific name. Antony calls me Spirit, and is, and I am most commonly known as Voice of Compassion or Spirit of Compassion. He continued and said he is not a spirit per se, but he is an extraterrestrial who is in direct service to God. He is more akin to being at the fingertip of God, sent as a messenger to help heal people and alleviate the suffering of humanity through Antony. Wow, I thought. I wasn't expecting that response. He really was dedicated to his character. I could tell he believed what he was saying to me. I started to feel weird, like I was floating or the air had been removed from the room. The skin all over my body felt like itchy, goose, bumpily glow. I didn't know what to think. I thought he was just an actor there to do a skit dressed as a monk. I told him as much, and he seemed amused by that. I told him I'm not religious, but spiritual and have always been intuitive though not sure if I believed in God. Oh no, God is real, he said. That really caught my attention. I without a doubt believed him. At that moment, I felt like my heart opened up and a huge weight had been lifted off my chest. 
I got shivers all over my body because I heard the truth in his words and understood. God hadn't abandoned me through all my hardship. I had abandoned God and focused on being lost. He then asked me if I was a witch, which I bristled at. I believe in energy and science as magic, I suppose, and have experienced a lot of coincidence and blessings, but don't like the negative connotation that goes along with being called a witch, especially by a stranger who claims to be an alien or spirit and is dressed like a monk demanding to know what I am. He said, there's nothing wrong with being a witch as long as you remain in the light. And don't try to use magic to gain power. The true magic of energy is to help others. It's harmony and balance. I've been approached by people over my lifetime calling me a witch, usually in a good way, a healer, old soul, child at heart. I have always felt drawn to the magic of nature, but since there is little respect in our modern day world for such endeavors, I never focused on it. Instead, I studied political science and psychology and now nursing and winemaking you don't know what you are and you're not a witch how can you see me he asked i told him i probably see him because i have sensitive eyes and i can see more of the color spectrum than most people he then asked how i can hear him i don't know i responded he said i'm definitely more than human something celestial he stared at intently as if seeing through, seeing into me, my genetic structure and trying to piece together where I came from. He said he thinks I was descended from wheels or thrones and asked me if I knew what they are. I wasn't familiar with wheels and thrones. I guess that they had something to do with tarot. He again seemed amused and said, not exactly and told me about the hierarchy of angels, of which the wheels and throne sat premier and closest to, and even made up the throne of God. Even though I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school, I wasn't really familiar with the hierarchy of angels. I had some knowledge of the seraphim, but didn't know wheels and thrones, probably because their form is so different from human form. I told him I consider myself spiritual but not religious. Religion seems to focus more on how groups of people are different instead of what we have in common as humans. And I felt hurt by the patriarchal us versus them, be a follower or your ostracized mentality of man-made religions. He agreed and said that man's desire to understand God was corrupted by these rigid structures, that in fact God had no religion other than love. He told me to read Thomas Aquinas' writings on the hierarchy of angels because it was in fact the best and most relevant human accounting of the celestial ranking of angels specifically. 
We spoke of the Bible and how it is inaccurate and that it is incomplete and whitewashed to serve the power culture of each age that used it. I asked him what the Bible says, and if it's true, then aren't we all children of God? He said, yes. God has no grandchildren, only children. And the chosen people are all humankind, not just one group over others. The chosen are those who identify with and choose to live in the light and love of God. But it is all people's inherent birthright. This was a lot to take in, so we were silent for a bit. Well, I was silent while I contemplated what he said. He kept standing there watching me, muttering medical stuff about me. I tried to ignore him, hoping he'd take the hint. But my curiosity got the better of me, and I began talking to him again. Feeling out of sorts, I again told him it was rude to stand and stare at me while muttering private medical information about a person. And again, how did he know that stuff about me anyway? Again, he said, you can see me, you can hear me, which I guess I was getting used to and found more annoying than upsetting at this point. Exasperated, I confirmed, yes, I could still see and hear him, and I was annoyed. He asked if I'd be willing to try something. He asked me to close my eyes and point to where I thought he was, to see if I could sense him even when my eyes were closed. I obliged and closed my eyes and from my seated position on the couch immediately pointed directly in front of me. I opened my eyes and he was standing there directly in front of me. I gasped. His eyes were spirit eyes, an intense greenish gold. And when he spoke, I noticed his mouth didn't move. He said he was sorry he didn't mean to frighten me. I was shocked how fast he moved and that he had chose to move directly in front of me. I asked why his mouth didn't move when he talked and he said mine wasn't moving either, that we were communicating telepathically. I felt like I was going to faint. And he started muttering things about my blood pressure dropping and sympathetic nurse system kicking into high gear. I was too annoyed to let this know-it-all get the better of me and forced myself to relax and breathe. Again, he apologized for upsetting me and asked me if I was okay. I lied through clenched teeth saying I was fine. He just surprised me by how quickly he moved and that he had chosen to move directly in front of me. I could tell he knew I was lying about feeling okay, but at least he stopped muttering about my physiological reactions. I asked him why he was dressed like a monk again and if he was an actor. Still amused by my questions, he said no, he wasn't an actor. And then... He got a curious look in his eyes and asked me what he looked like. I told him he looked like a kind Frollo, the priest from Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, or Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. He was slim and looked classically about 60 or 70 years old with a stern but kind face with 
sharp angles and the deep, brightly amused, intelligent eyes. If I had to guess, I would have said he looked like he was from perhaps northern Italy in the Middle Ages. He was dressed in a traditional brown robe of a monk and was wearing a simple handmade-looking sandals. He seemed delighted by the description and said he didn't believe he had ever had an incarnation as a human and was amused that he appeared to me as a monk. We spoke of black holes, universe energy recycling centers, essentially, young collective unconscious, dolphins being intelligent and able to have thoughts about their thoughts, Shakespeare, that he didn't write The Tempest, apparently, TV shows and why people get cosmetically enhanced. And then he asked me if I knew I was beautiful. I asked if it matters if I think I'm beautiful. He said, doesn't it? And that I was beautiful to him even by human standards. This surprised me. I've had this conversation before. I've always felt I had maybe an alien beauty to my looks. Spirit agreed. As far as his experience with the modern world, he is an ET tethered to Antony and can't touch or interact with anything in our physical world and therefore can only experience things through Antony i.e. has to watch what Antony and his wife watch, Outlander, The Crown, animal and science documentaries, and that they don't really interact on a social level. Antony can no longer see him. He can only hear him as a voice in his right ear. Spirit just observes them and gives medical advice through Antony. He said that Antony doesn't really interact on a social level and that I am the first person outside of Antony with whom he has had a conversation and that I can see him and hear him is exceptional. I saw he was wearing a necklace with a symbol on it and I asked if I could look at it. He was genuinely surprised and asked if I saw him wearing any other symbols or charms. I said no, just the lightning bolt-shaped metal charm. He was surprised that I could see the necklace. I asked if I could hold it and look at it more closely. I felt drawn to it. I hadn't noticed it before. He hesitated, which strangely annoyed me, but he recovered by saying he wasn't sure if I could touch it. Though curious, he obliged and handed it to me, seemingly pleasantly surprised that I could hold it. I asked what kind of metal it was made of. He said it wasn't any metal I'd know of because it didn't exist on Earth. Very strange. Kind of weirded me out. Not sure what to make of this alien monk guy and his celestial metals, but I felt honored. He said he thought he was meant to give it to me. I declined. I didn't feel like I deserved something so valuable and rare and still wasn't sure if I fully trusted him. All of this was a lot, and I was feeling overwhelmed. I wish I'd said yes, thank you, instead. 
Impressed that I could touch and hold the necklace, he then asked to touch me, which I thought was weird, and I hesitated. He saw my reluctance and asked instead if I'd touch his hand. I did. It felt cool, but otherwise normal. His skin was pale and grayish and smooth like that of a child. He seemed surprised and very pleased that I could touch him. We spoke about my work as an esthetician and all the different machines there are now aimed at rejuvenating and tightening the skin. He said that anti-aging modalities weren't really an area of his expertise, but that he believed there was something to the legitimacy of using ultrasonic waves to re-energize the cells on a mitochondrial level. He said Botox is dangerous, especially in the glabellar area of the forehead, because it is the region of the third eye and can easily travel into your eyes and cause blindness. I was a little surprised about his reference to the chakras specifically. He said that while the rest of the world was building machines to improve life, Eastern traditions were delving into the physical and spiritual machine, the human body and soul, to build up life in our connection to the divine. Since we as humans are spiritual beings honored with the physical experience, they know more about the spiritual connection through their focus on the true way and God as love being the true source, that we are all one. That as energetic bodies, we are in fact all made of light, God's light, God's energy. We are energy. We are God's sparks. The most powerful and healing being in the light of love and compassion. We are spirit, mind, body complexes in that order of cosmic importance. I told him about light therapy and showed him a diagram I had on my phone and gotten in beauty school on the healing aspects of light. I had trouble using my phone, but was determined to show him. He said it was all very interesting and related on some level to the light energy given off by organic bodies. I asked him if he'd mind if I take notes on my phone about the different topics we were discussing. He said I could try. It was difficult, so then I asked him if he'd mind if I recorded our conversation. He seemed to hesitate, which annoyed me. I was starting to feel incredibly exhausted, and my hands were slightly shaking. He apologized, saying he was downloading information, which he had to translate from symbols, that he didn't think it would be possible to record our conversation since we were communicating on a higher plane telepathically. I had forgotten that part, but it made sense since our conversation. He responded to things I hadn't intended to say out loud, but had definitely been thinking. Confused and dazed, I wasn't quite convinced that we were communicating telepathically and decided to try recording anyway. I let the voice memo record for a while and then went to play it back. All that recording had recorded was silence except every now and then you'd hear me laugh it creeped me out so I deleted it I noticed that spirit and I had been talking for over an hour I asked him if he was tired of standing and to have a seat next to me on the couch he said he didn't need to sit because he never became tired <laughs>